temptations that I face Stronger than the power of the grave Constant through the trial and the change One thing remains One thing remains Your love never fails Your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me for that love that you give us. I am chosen, I am free, I am living for eternity. Free now forever, you pick me up, turn me set my feet on solid ground yours now forever and nothing's gonna hold me back nothing's gonna hold me back 
Welcome to Southfield. It's good to be worshiping together. This morning is our first um, summer service worshiping here together at Shanahan Junior High, and it's just, it's great. Do you like being surrounded with all these people? Maybe you're going to meet someone new that you didn't realize um, came to church with you, but just went to a different service. So it's it's great to worship with you today in a, in a full room and to hear your voices. Um, well, this morning we're going we're gonna to take this time now to actually almost sing our prayer, to prepare our hearts to hear what God has to say to us through his word and through his message this morning. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Let's sing that again. 
You are grace, you're all I have. 
speak what is true. Here's my life. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Speak what is true. Speak what is true. Speak what is true. Let's pray. Dear God, that's our prayer this morning. Father, you heard our hearts. Lord, speak what is true. Open our hearts up. Search our hearts, Father, and speak what is true. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Hey, I'm Jason. Um, Dennis asked me to um, come up here and do a little transition in between and uh, welcome everyone. So everyone, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, if uh, you're visitors, first time here, um, welcome. Uh, we normally have two services throughout the, the school year. Now we're in our summer sessions. So uh, we just have one service at 930. So you made it at the right time. So that's a good thing. Um, so I guess what I need to do is I need to have you guys take out that card, uh, the card that you guys normally have um, when you get in your uh, program. Uh, go ahead and fill that out as much as you would like. Um, a lot of emails change and everything. Make sure we have that um, uh, current. Uh, if you want to fill out your address, telephone number, um, credit card number, I don't know, whatever you want to give us. Um, I'm not normally a comedian up here, so... Uh, but anyway, um, hopefully I, I got everything I need to get to. Um, next thing I need to, we need to talk about is uh, Dennis. Dennis and Kim and, and uh, their family. They are on a much-deserved vacation. Um, I'm so glad that uh, we're able as a church to let them go and uh, just get out of here. And I'll tell you what, I've been, I follow them on Instagram, and the amount of things that they've done already in a week is, is unbelievable. You know, they've got all these... Uh, the bison and the elk and the, you know, it's, it's amazing. So it's, it's a great thing for them just to get away and know that we as a church can come in and uh, things are going to go off without a hitch. So um, I appreciate that for uh, all you, everybody here. Um, so with Dennis being gone, I am not going to preach. As much as uh, some of you might want me to, uh, I'm not going to. Um, I have been able to, um, the man that's going to come up and preach for us, um, was my pastor um, a few years ago, and uh, I was when when Dennis told me he was going to be here, I was so excited. Um, th- this man and woman, Joy Joy and Earl Thornton, um, were such an inspiration to to Dana and I uh, when we went to church with them. Um, they did so many great things for us. Um, we loved being there, ministering together with them. They were such incredible people. We are very close with, um, with their son and, and their daughters, and we've just been family friends for a long time, and when I heard that he was coming, I was so excited. And uh, before service, we were up here, we were just talking about a bunch of different things, and, and I just, I, I, I love this couple. These, these guys are an inspiration to me. So um, Earl's going to come up and preach, and um, he's going to do a great job, and he's going to be here for two weeks, right? So he'll be back next week as well. So um, 
it's a good crowd today, so next week make sure we have the same amount of people so he doesn't feel bad, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, I guess you say, Pastor Earl Thornton. Yeah, we know that uh, I'm in trouble if I come back next week and there's only a third of you here. We'll, uh, we'll blame that all on Jason. I would, you know, I would like to hear him speak, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's really a pleasure to be here with you. I really uh, enjoy your pastor. He's a good friend. We have a lot of fun when we can be together. I'm at a stage now where I'm doing quite a bit of traveling, uh, coaching pastors and helping them through some uh, exciting opportunities also through some rough spots, hopefully taking some uh, experiences that I've had and helping them along with it. And uh, you've got a great pastor. I really count her privilege to know him, and uh, I wish that we just would have become better friends earlier, but that's okay. And he's having a great time. You know, give me a home where the buffalo roam. How many saw the picture of the buffalo? That he's, That was absolutely great. And as Roger Miller so beautifully says, you can't roller skate in a... Oh, you don't know that song, do you? <laughs> uh, as, he, as he sang so eloquently. How many even know who Roger Miller is? Uh, how many have never heard, heard Roger Miller at all? Okay, that's your assignment. That is your assignment for this. Uh, go to YouTube and put on there Roger Miller and Buffalo Herd, and then you listen to one of the goofiest songs you've ever heard in your life. Uh, so that's, that's your assignment for today. Hey, how many of you like good advice, huh? How many of you don't like good advice? We're gonna, I'm going to get you one way or another here. I love good advice, especially when it comes from kids, right? Uh, some of these are just brilliant Patrick, age 10, says, never trust a dog to watch your food. (laughs) And Hannah, age 9, a very smart, precocious, beyond her years, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer. (laughs) I love those. Now, Naomi, age 15, has learned a lot over her period of years. She says, if you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. (laughs) And uh, probably my favorite of all, Eileen, age 8, says this, never try to baptize a cat. (laughs) And uh, as one guy said, he's not exactly a child, but he had great... (laughs) Great insights. Uh, George Burns, how many remember him? He said, the secret of a good sermon is having a good beginning and a good end and having them as close together as possible. (laughs) And how many would say amen to that? Come on, come on, work with me here. Have you ever found there's a lot of opinions about what the Christian life is all about? I mean, now that we have social media and interaction of people and Uh, You can find somebody who's against something, somebody who's for something, and they're just fighting. The words, it goes on. Everyone has opinions about what the Christian life is all about, all the way from you should live a life of sacrifice to you should have abundance, from bear your cross to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. And people use the Bible to reinforce their position and to reinforce both ends of that spectrum. 
Now, knowing God in a personal way and seeing Him at work is an exciting, but to be really honest, it is often a nerve-wracking experience. How many would agree with that? There's an element of risk. There's an element of adventure. There's an element of victory and also of conquest. As I've studied God's Word, I see this, that God wants to bless us. God wants to use us. God wants to fill us. Now, the Bible has some really strong statements about what the Christian life is all about. I've got these ready. We're going to have them up on the screen. I'd like you to read these with me, would you? First of all, Paul says, read it with me, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Always leads us in triumph. John says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, the faith. Christ says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And it says in John, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul says, Sin shall not have dominion over you. Christ says, The works that I do shall you do, and greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father. And Read with me what Paul says. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then to reinforce what Timothy says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now that phrase, sound mind, is interpreted as self-control or discipline. And as I look at these scriptures, and I've just really chosen a handful, we could be here all day long uh, reading the scripture and reinforcing this. Sound mind, discipline, well-balanced, under right influences. Now, these scriptures are words of strong encouragement. It's really telling us that we can expect certain things in our life. And according to God's word, we can expect that no habit has to control us. That no sin has to have control over our life. That there is not a situation that we face for which we are inadequate. We don't have to give in to temptation. There is no person we can't face. There is no situation that is too difficult. Now, how are we going to do this? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it how? Abundantly. My favorite. How many here have a little bit of Italian heritage in you? Ah, Raise those hands. I love the word abudanza. That just says it all, doesn't it? I have come that you might have life and have it abundance, abundantly. But the problem is we struggle. There's circumstances, there's people, there's moods, the weather control our life. I just finished yesterday reading a book by Charles Duhigg. He's a writer for the New York Times, and he wrote a book, The Power of Habit, an incredible book. I highly recommend it. If you're a reader, it's a book you really should grab, rent it, from, or check it out from the library. The Power of Habit. 
In the book, he talks about a young man by the name of Travis Leach. Travis Leach was born and raised in Lodi, California. That's in the Central Valley of California. Both of his parents were drug addicts. Travis had two older siblings. He was the youngest. It was not unusual for them at all to have their dad. In fact, he describes it. Dad gets up. He has his sock with all of his drug paraphernalia. He walks into the bathroom to give himself a hit and... They hear a crash in the bathroom. They go in. Dad has passed out. And the kids immediately, kids as young as nine and six years of age, know what to do. Roll him on his side, get his tongue out, and send Travis over because they are so poor. It's such a dysfunctional home. Kicked out of home after home after home. Go next door because they have a phone. Call 911. And he doesn't even tell exactly what's going on, even though he knows what's going on. He knows it's a drug overdose. He says, my dad's passed out and he can't breathe. They get his dad. They take him to the hospital. The police check him out. They, they, you know, do all the reports. And then he's back home that evening making spaghetti for him. Just an incredible dysfunctional family and life. Travis at age 16 has had it. His mom is in prison because of drug use and prostitution. He says, I'm out of here. He goes south to Fresno, California. And there he tries to get a job at age 16. He's dropped out of school. He can't hold down a job. At McDonald's, he just, he can't handle, he can't hold a job at McDonald's because when the customers get upset with him, he he gets all nervous and his manager is on him. Work faster, work faster. His hands shake. He cries. He's emotional. He was handling the drive-thru when some lady was given a hard time and he threw the chicken McNuggets at her and said, get out of my drive-thru. How many have seen people? You'd really like to do that. You'd like to (laughs) toss the nuggets at them. Well, Travis is just, I mean, what hope is there? He's had no mentoring. He's had no, no help. Nine years later, Duhigg tells how Travis is now the manager of two Starbucks, managing a staff of 40, a budget of $2 million, never late for work, mentoring and coaching other young adults. What happened? If you have your Bibles or your electronic Bible with you, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. This is a story that you probably know well, and if you don't have your Bible along, just follow along. I'm going to highlight several passages through here. It's a story of somebody who had a very significant life and made a big difference. Not a lot about him in the Bible, but he's very pivotal. In Numbers 13, the children of Israel have traveled out of Egypt. They had God do all these miracles. They have now come to the promised land. And it says in verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving the Israelites. Now, how many know that when God says He's going to give you something, He's going to do that, right? So, send some men to explore the land from each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders. Verse 6, From the tribe of Judah, Caleb was chosen. Then down to verse 17, 
When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are the trees in it or not? Do your, best to, do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season of the first ripe grapes. Grapes. Verse 26. Then they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole of the Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Now, that's not literal. It's figurative, meaning there is abundance, there is, there is fruit, there is blessing here. This is a nice place. Now, look at verse 28. In fact, in our Bibles, that should be in caps. It should be huge. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live in the sea. It sounds like you need to call an exterminator all these parasites. Then look at verse 39. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. Then you get to chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. You know, what in the world has gone on in their brains? Or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us up to this land? Only let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. I should be whining as I read this. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? In other words, go back and be slaves? And they said to each other, we should choose another leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephun, were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes, said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because... We will devour them. In other words, we'll eat their lunch. Chicken nuggets too. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now look what the response to that halftime talk is. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Well, to summarize here, God gets just a little tweaked. He's ready to come down in his glory and wipe them all out and start over. He says to Moses, I'm going to start with you. We're going to have a tribe from you, Moses. I've had it with his people. Moses intercedes. And look what God says. Verse 23. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Circle that or highlight it. Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. 
Now, I, I ask this question, what made Caleb stand apart here so much that God acknowledges him and rewards him? Caleb's example, I think, brings some basic spiritual principles and gives us that are going to make a huge difference in our lives. Now, the scripture that I've shared gives an overview and insight about Caleb. Numbers chapter 13, that's the first mention of Caleb. No other mention of him prior to that. Obviously, he's a leader of the tribe of Judah. That's a very significant tribe of the Israelites. God had already told the Israelites what they could expect. Land is flowing, that's prosperous, milk and honey. In other words, adequate resources to sustain them as a nation. But there's challenges. God hasn't just left the land empty. While they have been in Egypt, other people have come in. They've built cities. They're taking care of the land. Because God says, this is going to be my children's land again. There's going to be opposition. However, the land is for the Israelites, for the Hebrews. God's promise is clear. There should be no doubt in their mind about the final outcome. God promised that they would have that land. I love what Moses does here. I, to me, it would be the equivalent of sending in the Hebrew SEAL Team 12. That's who they were. Halfway through the exploration, or exploration, they came to the town of Hebron. Now, Hebron is significant because that was where God had appeared to Abraham, where God had entered into covenant with Abraham. And to the Israelites, that is the foundation of all of their heritage. Abraham and Sarah have lived here. They've been buried there. But after Abraham's descendants had left Hebron, the land was taken over by a group of people that is called the Anakim. That's Anakim with an M, not Anakin, as some of you are going to your... uh, (laughs) Luke, the forest, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It is not Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. So just, you know, a little, but that'll make you remember, won't it? This has been a place of blessing. But now it is home to the sons of Anak. A very infamous tribe. They were savage people. In fact, people around them had different names that they called them. One of them called, called them the Emim or the terrors, the terrible ones, the horrible ones. Others call them the Riphium, which means the shadowy ones or ghosts. The Hebrews call them the Nephilim, which means the fallen ones, the ones who had descended from the giants in Genesis 6. In fact, one of the relatives of Anak was a man by the name of Og, O-G. It, the Bible in Deuteronomy 6 says that his bed was 12 feet by 6 feet. Now, I lived in rooms that size. So that gives you a perspective of what is here. So this horrible enemy controls the place of Hebrews' heritage. So they come back, and part of the SEAL Team 12, two of them say, go. Ten of them say, no. Now, what caused Caleb, who has seen the land and the giants, to say literally, Caleb says, we are strong with strength. We are strengthened with God's strength. We have every resource to go into the land. God has promised it. The promise is secure. Let's go. Let's take it. Well, unfortunately for Caleb, it wasn't exactly, Jason, the finest 
halftime chat that a coach ever had. In fact, the response was, I mean, Jason, I know you've had some tough ball games, but I don't know that your team ever picked up their helmets or were going to smash you with them. Maybe you had a couple guys thought about it. But that's literally what happened here. He gives them a halftime talk. He says, we can do it. You can do it. And they want to kill him because of it. It just, it amazes me. They were so afraid. They wanted to kill the man who's showing courage. And God comes down, confronts the people. He's ready to destroy them. Moses intercedes. And we know that the only ones of this generation that go into the land end up being Caleb and Joshua. Now let's fast forward 45 years ahead now. We pick up the story in Joshua chapter 14. The generation that rebelled against God is dead. Only Joshua and Caleb remains out of it. They've crossed the Jordan River. They fought the Battle of Jericho. They've pursued the enemy. Joshua has already called upon the sun to stand still so they can finish pursuing and completing the task of vanquishing the enemy. That's already happened. Miracle after miracle, victory after victory. They've driven out most of the nations that have occupied the land, and now they're ready to divvy up the land among all of the tribes. Joshua begins to divide the land in Joshua chapter 14. Up steps Caleb and stops Joshua in the process. And he makes the claim to the land that God has promised him 45 years previously. As I mentioned earlier, what's so significant about this man that God rewards him in such a substantial way? God says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly. What's different about him? Number one, Caleb wanted what God wanted for him. Caleb wanted what God wanted for him. <clears throat> the name Hebron means fellowship. That was the hill country. That was where the giants were. That was the place that God had promised him. And now that is the place that Caleb said, give me that mountain. That was the place that they'd experienced God. That was the place that Abraham met God face to face, where Abraham was called the friend of God. That's what God wants for us. He wants the best. But why do we find it so difficult yielding our will to him? I mean, think about it. God has 20-20 foresight. God is omniscient. He knows everything. God has 20-20 foresight, and we are blind. Who do you want to follow? Remember the scripture we started with? It, it really is a trust issue, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. And I started thinking, well, what were some of the obstacles that Caleb had to deal with? What was it like for him as he's gone for 40 years in the wilderness because everybody else said no. He's watched all of his contemporaries drop off and die. 
he's had to endure their complaining and their griping. (laughs) How many times did he wonder, if it wasn't for your lack of faith, you wouldn't be in this predicament around the same mountain again and again, eating the same food all the time. What was it about Caleb? Well, I think Caleb was disciplined. I think it was a discipline in his heart and his mind and his spirit. I want you to get this. Caleb had developed the habit of faith. So for Caleb, these giants were nothing. While the others were complaining about the weather, complaining about the leadership, complaining about circumstances, Caleb is making plans. He's staying strong physically, emotionally, spiritually. Caleb was just as strong at age 85 as when he was on the first day of his SEAL Team 12 exploration. Just as full of life, just as eager. While others have complained, he's plotted strategy. What sustained his life? He wanted God's best and he knew God was going to give it to him. That should be our heart, our mind. The same attitude of expectancy. Caleb wanted what God wanted. What does God want for you? Want that. Pursue that. Secondly, Caleb believed what God said. Caleb believed what God said. He had implicit faith in what God had said. Joshua 14, 9. Moses swore on that day, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. On the strength of that promise, Caleb says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised on that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites are there and their cities are large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Caleb believed God. Back to Travis Leach in Fresno, California. What made the difference in his life? Hadn't been able to cut it. Working at McDonald's. His life is going nowhere. Travis had such a dysfunctional life. He, one of the reasons he left home was even at school he was harassed by all, all the other students. As he would walk home, others would walk home behind him saying very unkind, very rude things to him, throwing things at him. You're a loser. You're, you're a druggie. Just on and on and on. He had to escape all that. He had to get away from it. So you can imagine, he has no good self-perspective at all. I mean, when you can't hold a job at a fast food, how are you feeling about yourself? He's now over at a video store renting videos. One of the customers walks in and struck up a conversation with him and says, hey, Travis, you want to get a better job? Yeah. Yeah. He says, we're opening a new Starbucks. I'm going to be the assistant manager, and I want you to come over and apply for a job there. Well, Travis did that. And because someone began mentoring him and coaching him and getting some training, literally Starbucks has a training program you can go through. It's like a college education. It's available for their their employees over 1,300 hours of classroom 
type of education is available for him. He stepped up. Somebody believed in him and helped him to believe in himself. And that made all the difference in his life so that he didn't continue that cycle of drug addiction. Someone believed in him and mentored him and invested in him and helped him to develop a healthy perspective and attitudes and habits. What are you focusing on? What has God promised you? What are the giants that you're facing? You see, the Israelites lost their opportunity to go into the promised land due to lack of believing God and due to fear. Lack of faith in the power of God to see them through. They literally put more belief in the giants and in the enemy kingdoms than in their God. And as a result, they lost out on the biggest blessing of their entire life. Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. There was a perseverance. There was a tenacity. You see, perseverance requires determination because there's temptations. There's distraction. Caleb had obviously taken steps to develop that personal and that different spirit. I think Caleb had eliminated a lifestyle of giving up. If you have a habit of giving up, you will not overcome the giants. Giving up is a lot easier in some situations you face. Just throw in the towel. And when faced with challenges, the Israelites wanted to take the easy route. Caleb had developed a persistence, a perseverance, a positive belief in God. Number two, Caleb eliminated wrong belief that life should be easy. And I think that's something that all of us face. Well, life shouldn't be this hard. Caleb decided, like, hey, that's not for me. I'm not going to believe that life should be easy. Having the right expectation going into anything is half the battle. When faced with tough situations, you have two choices. Either give up or dig in. Dig in and get down in the trenches. And perseverance is choosing the trenches. I'm not giving up. Caleb had developed resiliency. See, discouraging situations were not going to break him. Caleb was also a man of vision. He saw the circumstances realistically, but he kept in mind God's promise to him. And that's where we sit today. We have such incredible promises that God has given us. That's why we started this message, looking over all those promises that God has given us. And you've got a choice to make. Either let fear and panic dominate, or have the strong faith, the same strong faith and belief in God that Caleb had. To have literally a can-do attitude that you're going to be victorious and you can accomplish anything that God helps you to do. Caleb took that strong faith and belief in God. He entered the promised land. He achieved total victory. In fact, it says that because of that, that he blessed generations to come. There's a beautiful story about his daughter. You know, he, he gave, uh, he promised his guys that were fighting battle with him, his other warriors, whoever wins this battle, I'm going to give you my wife, who's, or, or my, my daughter is your wife. Well, that motivated some guys, you know. 
I always wonder what she looked like, but we're not going to go there. And then what I love the Bible talks about is that as the guy, you know, wins this battle, comes back to say, okay, I'm your new son-in-law. And the daughter has wisdom enough to ask dad for specific land that had the water rights, the, the springs with it. It's just brilliant. Read it. It's, it's a lovely story. What I want you to see is this. God is no respecter of persons. What does that mean? God is not going to give somebody something and you nothing. We all are on the same level. We all have the same opportunity, the same ability. What he did for Caleb, God's going to do for you. So this morning, what giants are you facing? What do you need to conquer? What dream have you allowed to die? I pray that the Spirit of God today will cause you just to have that added measure of faith. You will have that determined spirit. You will wholeheartedly say, I can do this with Christ. I can do all things. I can do all things. Father, today we thank you that you're a God that is so loving and so good. Father, you have provided for us in so many ways. You've removed our sin from us when we come to you and ask for forgiveness. You cleanse us. You remove our sin. You adopt us into the family of God. But you don't just leave us there. You take us out of dysfunction and you put us into a healthy family, your family. And then you begin to grow us. You begin to coach us. You begin to mentor us. Father, I pray for people today that have been facing some situations that have been overwhelming for them. Father, I pray that that dream will be resurrected in their heart again. That they will begin to believe that you can help them. Father, there are others that are facing some giants. The giant of death. The giant of debt. The giant of disease the giant of some devastated relationships. Lord, <laughs> none of those things have to control us. We can face any situation when we go in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray your blessing and your encouragement to everyone here today. Thank you that you lead us and you direct us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Earl. In his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Right now, the servers are going to distribute communion and you're welcome to partake. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. Um, you just have to be a member of the body of Christ. And this morning, we're just going to have you take communion whenever you feel that you're ready. You have been... And you will be.
and you will see you know when I rise and when I fall when I come or go you see it all you hung the stars and you move the sea and still you know me oh oh you know me Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Lord, you knew us. You knew that we were sinful, Lord. You knew that we weren't perfect. You knew that we were dirty, God, and you still died for us. Lord, it was because you knew that the plans that you had for us were so much greater than what we saw for ourselves. And Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed 
by you for us, Lord, that covered all of our sins and makes us new. And we thank you for the plans that you have for us. God, we thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Can I have the servers coming up? We're, uh, we're going to take the offering now. Um, I'm going to just highlight a couple of announcements here. Um, everyone, most of you probably got your um, the bulletin or, or program. Um, the, the top three, the big three that we normally put on there, I just want to talk about real quick. June 13th, there's a crafting event. Um, if you want more information or if you want to know what's going on there, you can contact Amy Strollman. Um, is Amy in here? Oh, she's in Summerland. Okay. So uh, there's a phone number there. It's June 13th, 7 o'clock. Um, se- uh, the second thing here is a, a simple serve opportunity. Um, a lot of times throughout the, the school year, we have uh, the same teachers teach week in, week out. And what we want to do is we want to give them a break th- for the summer. So if you would like to serve one Sunday um, throughout the summer, make sure that um, you get a hold of, let's see, who do you, who do you got to get a hold of? I don't know, go out there and talk to somebody and try to find somebody. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Um, so, anyway, the last thing is um, last chance for a student um, missions trip. In, uh, in June, uh, June 17th for the, through the 21st, um, 6th grade through 12th graders can go to Green Lake, on a missions trip, they're, they're going to be working. They're going to be doing a lot of different things for Green Lake. And then uh, what they're going to do is they're, they're still going to have fun. They're going to enjoy the time and everything. But they can still sign up. They can sign up, I think, up till the 16th. So um, it's a $125 fee. But um, email Brian Papp. I know Brian's out and about right now. He's with the family on vacation. But uh, I'm sure he's still... Uh, checks his email and everything. So if you need to get in contact with him, you can um, contact him through his email here. So, all right, I think um, I think we did it. We got through it. And, and uh, awesome word by Pastor Earl. I'm I'm so um, so thankful for you guys. I already said that. All right, but um, let's stand. I'll, I'll uh, pray, and uh, we will be dismissed. Uh, before we, we do this, uh, I'm just I'm getting uh, some words from the back. We do not have to put chairs up. We do not have to do any of that. This stays for the whole summer, so it's, it's a good thing. So you do not have to put the chairs away. All right. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we're able to come in here and just uh, be ministered um, from you, Lord God. I pray that we can minister to you, Lord God, as we step out. Lord, I know that there are giants out there, Lord God, but we know that if we keep our faith in you, that uh, we have triumph over those giants. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray that um, as these people go out throughout the week, that um, they will look to you and um, you will be with them this week. Thank you very much in your name. Amen.
Shine. 